Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. This is Dave Debo. What a week it is to talk politics. I say that at the start of every program, but this is a week where we're going to see one particular issue move ahead. And it's something that to, to try and explain, I want to take you back a couple of weeks to Governor Cuomo's State of the State address. He was talking about federal tax reform and what Albany can do to try and bring back those deductions that were removed. As Washington has shot an arrow aimed at New York State's economic heart, the best plan is to get out of the way before it hits. So we are exploring the feasibility of a major shift. Different states have different tax structures. Some use a gross receipts tax. Some have a severance tax. We are developing a plan to restructure our tax code to reduce reliance on our current income tax system and adopt a statewide payroll tax system. We're also exploring creating additional charitable organizations so that contributions to those charitable organizations would be tax deductible. And let's talk about that last part. I always say this is a week when, later this week, Assemblyman Robin Schiminger is ready to introduce a bill that would look at establishing these kind of charities where you could donate money to the state in lieu of taxes and then get the deduction because it would be written off as a charity at the federal level. Robin Schiminger is here with us now, Democratic Assemblyman representing Kenmore and Environs. Thanks for being here. I'm not sure where Environs is located, but it's a, it's a fine community. Greater Kenmore. Thank you very much. Metro you Kenmore, much. I think we can thank, say. Thank you very much. Um, talk to me about what it is you're proposing. Did it come from the governor? Is it akin to what he was talking about there in the state of the state? What do you have in mind? I think what the governor was talking about comes from me, frankly. Okay. Uh, the day before the state of the state, a very wise man locally, maybe he's listening now, I'm not sure, called me with a suggestion. Uh, and it triggered something in my memory. I remember many years ago when I was out walking house to house, visiting with voters, came upon a fellow, I think his name was Jack, I'm not sure. Jack said to me, Robin Schiminger, you know, I pay a lot of money over to the state, and I would much rather, if I knew where that money was going, I don't think we should be building all these prisons. I don't think we should be paying prison guards and buying bullets and paying big salaries for bureaucrats. I wish there was some way that I could dedicate where I send my money. I told him, thank you very much. I'll keep your thought in mind and walked away. Many years later, that thought has come back to me. All right. Wouldn't it be great if citizens in New York, if they wanted to voluntarily, could make a donation to a fund? Uh, I call it the She Fund, the State Charitable Health and Education Fund, into which they would know that the dollars that they expend and put into that fund would be used only for the things that Jack talked about like helping the sick and the infirm, uh, educating kids. So it would be a health and education fund. Interestingly, uh, the following week in the governor's uh, state of the state proposal, budget proposal, strike that, yes, budget yes. proposal, 
he put up on the screen when he talked about what you just had him uh, on tape saying, he put up on the screen health and education, okay? So I think I think that is on the right track. For you, is it a way to dedicate funds primarily, or is it a way to try and restore some of the tax deductions that disappeared under federal tax reform? I'm not going to go shooting bullets at the IRS, and I'm not going to go telling the IRS, yeah, this is a way to end run you. No, no. This is an idea by which people, through which people, if they choose to, can make a contribution to state coffers, know where the money goes, and get and get a 100% state tax credit against their state income taxes. So you're not talking about the federal deduction, but it would be an additional state tax credit. Well, let me tell you this. If it's a charity, indeed it would be, and contributions are made to it, and they might be, then for federal tax purposes over on the federal level, those are charitable deductions. All right. And so those dollars that the citizen would be putting into the she fund are dollars which, at the end of the day, would probably be without the she fund, would no doubt be without the she fund, state taxes that they would pay. Through a kind of an alchemy, they change from being state taxes to charitable contributions, okay? And in that way, they get back their federal deductibility. If, if, <clears throat> the, if the feds agree. I want to bring in uh, Jared Walzak. I had him on the program about wow. two, we- two weeks He's ago. He's a global expert. From the Tax Foundation. Here's what he said. But this won't work. The IRS requires a charitable contribution to actually have charitable intent. To be true goodness out of your heart, not a quid pro quo for the sake of saving taxes. Absolutely. He says that if you're doing it because of an ulterior motive to get the deduction, that it doesn't count as a deduction in terms of the IRS, in terms of the feds. Uh, That's speculative, number one. Number two, when the Internal Revenue Code, the law itself, lists objects of donation which would qualify as charitable deductions, the very first object that is listed is states, okay? We go farther by creating this fund within the Office of the State Comptroller, but a donation to the state is charitably deductible under the Federal Internal Revenue Code. It's it's explicit, okay? Uh, On top of that, over the past decades, there have been uh, 31 different state programs which have involved giving the donor to the state program a state tax credit. There have been 31 of these in 21 different states in which the person, the taxpayer, gets a state tax credit, and in turn, that contribution to that fund of whatever kind it is connected to the state is federally charitably deductible. Let's put some hard numbers on it, or at least some, some theoretical numbers on it. My tax bill is 1000 bucks. In addition to that, I donate another 100 200 to your she fund. Do I then automatically get a tax credit that is $200 worth completely? Or, or in the final analysis, would I end up paying something less than maybe $1,100 or $1,200, depending on my donation? Do I get something less than that in terms of the deduction? Is it a one-for-one, I guess is what I'm asking. The way my proposal is written, it is a one-for-one, so that if you gave – 
$1,000 to the SHE fund, you would get a tax credit of $1,000 against your state income tax bill. Okay? okay. And that would shrink your state income tax liability by the $1,000. Meanwhile... But you've also <clears throat> paid out the 1000 so it's not as if you're getting ahead of anything, are you? But what you're getting ahead on is over here when you file your federal return, <clears throat> that $1,000, which under the Trump tax reform might not have been deductible, is now deductible because you've made a charitable contribution. Okay. Do you, we you got have that? You got that? I do. Good. Do we have to wait for the IRS to rule on this before you go ahead and do it? Well, look, we're going to file the bill. I'm hoping that this uh, construct is included in the adopted state budget, okay? And th then um, things get put in motion. <clears throat> now, the IRS could go crazy. <clears throat> I don't think they will. Because there's been decades of precedent that the IRS has acquiesced on in all these other states. And I, I think of, of local examples, too, not just state and federal, but a couple of years back, uh, then-school superintendent James Williams in the city of Buffalo decided to set up a fund in order to support some of the athletic facilities. I think of the Clarence uh, School District <coughs> budget crisis a few mm -hmm. years back. There is now a private booster group. Uh, helping raise funds for education that way independently. There's precedent here. Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> there are, as I've said, uh, 31 different programs in 21 different states. Professor Kirk Stark of the UCLA Law School has itemized all these. They've all withstood the scrutiny of the IRS. And I, 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 I can't see IRS at the end of the day kiboshing this, but you never know. All right, let's talk more about that when we come back from the news break. It's Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. It's Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. This is Dave Debo. We are talking today with Assemblyman Robin Schiminger, Democrat from Kenmore. He's a guy who later this week is going to put forth a plan to have a, basically a, a new charity be created that would benefit New York State. And in the process of donating to that charity, you would be able to possibly restore some of the deductions that were taken away during the federal tax reform. Uh, if you'd like to join us, by the way, phone lines are open. And we'll get to some other stuff, too, because when you're talking Albany, there's a lot to talk to Robin Schiminger about. 803-0930 is the number. Now, before the break, you had said that uh, the IRS has, to some degree, passed muster on this because the actual code says it's okay to donate to a state. Explain. The Internal Revenue Code defines charitable contributions to mean, and I'm quoting now, a contribution or a gift to or for the use of, and then one, two, so. Number one, a state, a possession of any state, a political subdivision. So a contribution to a state right from the get-go can be a charitable contribution. And that's is the, a charitable that's contribution. That's the code as it exists now. <clears throat> that's the existing unamended provisions of the code. So we go a step farther. We don't just, as the California legislation does, introduced by Senator DeLeon, Kevin DeLeon. Yeah, I was going to say, I know this is being discussed in California, too. <clears throat> they just create a fund within the state general fund. They call it the California Excellence Fund. And that is their mechanism by which they hope to achieve uh, some regaining of deductibility. Okay. My legislation goes many steps farther in that we, first of all, 
create the fund within the office of the state controller. He's the he's the custodian of the fund. It is a charitable trust fund. It has the accoutrements of a 501c3 entity. The controller makes distributions from the fund. And, and your distributions are specific <clears throat> to health and education. That's correct. That's correct. Does so that- our, our proposal in a whole lot of ways is more refined than the California proposal and is more likely to pass muster with IRS, whatever that muster is going to be. Because in, in the final analysis, this thing is being done. And I, that might not be your motivation, but this thing was certainly raised by Governor Cuomo. This thing is certainly being done in California in response to the federal tax reform, in response to a sparring match, per se, between President Donald Trump and Governor Andrew Cuomo. Uh, to what degree, when, when we break it down and look at the politics here, to what degree is the fact that those two guys don't like each other much going to mean that the IRS controlled by President Trump could put a kibosh on your plans? It doesn't help the cause of uh, making the Xi Fund work to have allegations being thrown down to Washington that they are shooting missiles at us. Not good, not good. This is a proposal that really had its origins in that driveway in Tonawanda with that citizen. Independent of the discussions about how horrible Governor Cuomo says tax reform has been. But then that idea might have some legs now and that there is this other ancillary aspect of it. And I know that your friend Mr. Walczak, who you quoted earlier, and, uh, and others may say IRS will kibosh this. I just want to say I don't know how they can really do that when, without reversing what's already without on the reversing paper now. what exists in 21 other states in 31 different programs where they have okayed a tax credit within a state against state tax liability, which payments into also are federally deductible as charitable contributions. All right, but because this is happening now. At a time when there is all this discussion over the federal tax reform, over what uh, Governor Cuomo says is a direct attack on New York State, I want to just briefly put it in the context of that back and forth, that particular tug of war. Part of that discussion, part of that argument is, Governor Cuomo, why be so upset over the loss of deduction? Why not just become a lower tax state? Why not give people a break by lowering taxes instead of getting all upset? because they're losing a deduction. Hey, look, I'm, I'm all for being a lower tax state. I'm the guy who has opposed uh, these increases in the state income tax beginning when, uh, at, at the end of 2011, uh, <clears throat> an extension of the surcharge was snuck through the legislature. I thereby earned the ire of a certain governor. So, look, I'm I'm not for higher taxes. I'm for lower taxes. And we've got to recognize, though, that there is the rest of the universe out there. And this fits into that rest of the universe in terms of the, the current issue at hand in terms of the Internal Revenue Code. Let's put and, it in and, the- and I recognize, too, that, you know, whereas every citizen might want to be able to dedicate where what they pay over to the state goes, like Jack wanted to do, there are a whole lot of people for whom this capping of state and local tax deductibility which is a limit of $10,000 on what you pay in property and state income taxes, that's irrelevant to them because they don't itemize. And more people will not itemize under the Donald Trump changes to the Internal Revenue Code because the married couple filing jointly, for example, uh, standard exemption, standard deduction goes up to 24,000. 
So a lot of people will not be itemizing anyway. If this eventually gets voted on, it will be part of the state budget. Lawmakers, well, hopefully, yeah. Lawmakers head back to Albany to start work on that later this week? Yep, every week now. Uh, do you like the state budget? Does it decrease spending enough for you, a man who just moments ago said you don't like <clears throat> higher taxes? No, well, you know, he's uh, he's in this budget, he has propped it up revenue-wise with a lot of one-shot, very speculative items. Uh, there is going to be a conversion of a health insurance program run by the Catholics in the state that want, that seeks to convert to a for-profit health insurance program. Uh, the governor wants to extract a large, large sum of money out of that conversion, a one-shot revenue, to to help balance his budget. He's got this proposal for uh, a special tax on hedge fund managers, which will only kick in if other states in the environs, there I go, in the environs <laughs> of Manhattan, they being Connecticut, Massachusetts, New Jersey, if they go along with it. So there's another potential hole. There are a lot of potential holes in this budget. But when you've got a $4 billion deficit, don't you need everything you can, including one-shots? Well, every budget, as long as I can remember, has involved a governor early in the process saying, I'm grappling with a deficit, I'm grappling with a shortfall. And heroically, then, the governor balances, proposes a balanced budget. Some of the bases of proposing that, of, of, of achieving that balance are these questionable one-shots. 803-0930 is the number. Robin Schiminger is here, Democratic Assemblyman from Kenmore. And uh, let's go to the phones now. If you have a question, we'd love to have you aboard, by the way. A couple lines open right now. He's here till the top of the hour when we hand it off to Meet the Press. Bob in Buffalo. Hi, you're on the air. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Robin. Uh, I have a question. Uh, with the uh, $4.5 billion uh, deficit, uh, how much time are you given to look at the budget before the vote? And when you mention the Catholic Church, I understand there's a Senate bill, uh, 6575, and an Assembly bill, 75885, uh, which is going to ask the Catholic Church and other churches to be able to pay for abortion drugs and abortions and things of that nature, which will be part of the budget. And they seem to do this more and more on a regular basis, because last year, part of the budget had to do with uh, bingo rules and kids under the age of 18 and who and who could and could not enter a bingo. So I'll hang up and I'll listen to your comment because I think that this should be dealt on a separate issue and not part of the budget because they seem to pass law through the budget process. And Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's something I've got a question for him about too, but let's uh, get his response to you. Yeah, uh, the, the last item, the bingo provision, was, was one with which people were really not familiar after the budget passed because it was stuck in at the very end uh, in an area that I normally don't pay a whole lot of attention to, racing and wagering. And it has created a great furor because a lot of moms and dads and aunts and uncles and grandmas and grandpas like to bring uh, little Tommy to bingo when they play. This this is something that should be fixed. Um, how much time? Well, look, the governor's submitted budget, which has now been submitted, is subject to plenty of review. After he submits the budget, he's got 20 days and then 30 days, total of 30 days, to make 
amendments to his budget. And again, all of that is viewable. But what you've got then is the budget finalization process in which many times, literally at the 11th hour, he will insist on something and it will get stuck into the budget, which we have not a lot of look-see at. That's how this bingo provision, provision, I think, was stuck in. It's how funding for various economic development programs have been stuck in at the 11th hour. And, let, let, and let if me, the legislature balks, then we get blamed for a late budget. Let me bring up another example. Uh, in the budget briefing book, some 360 pages, I, I just tried to find it online and get the exact number, but, but it's a large document. It goes. That's through, just the briefing book. Yeah, that's just the book, not the budget. That's the executive summary, per se. On the very last page of it, and mentioned nowhere else in the entire book, because I, I, I read it, and then I uh, used the PDF, and I actually searched for the words through the entire document. Nowhere else in the entire document does it mention term limits until the very last page. And on that very last page, it says, here are some bu- bills that we need to uh, put in here in order to enact the budget. Term limits tacked on the end. Now, I, I, we can discuss separately the idea of whether or not you like term limits, and we will. But the idea of tacking it on to a budget bill, is there a budgetary implication there that would mandate it needing to be included in a budget bill? The answer is no. There is no budget imperative that that, that be included in, the, in a budget. Governors in recent years have gotten away with sticking into their budget bills these really extraneous provisions and, and and didn't it start with Governor David Patterson when he was facing uh, all sorts of obstruction and realized that he kind of has this tool? Or does it go back further than that? It goes back to a big court of appeals case uh, of, of silver. That was Sheldon Silver. Mm-hmm. Silver versus Pataki, or was it Pataki versus silver? And the court of appeals said, yeah, the governor can put things in, 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 an ex- in a variety of ways, extraneous ways. Then you're talking about Patterson. What Patterson did was when we get into the late budget scenario, Patterson realized that he could really get anything he wanted by putting whatever he wanted into the extenders Mm. so that, you know, after you're late for a week, he can send an extender that contains anything he wants, and we're stuck, you know, otherwise state closes down. Gee, we haven't seen that on the federal level now, have we? No. Um, Talk to me, though, about term limits. Um, There are a lot of people that have argued for a while that it's a good thing for New York State. I think of someone like Robin Schiminger, who's been in office for how long? 1874 was the first year. (laughs) I I came in in January of 77. Okay. And uh, in this particular case, uh, the the proposal that's being floated by the governor would extend the term of senators and assemblymen to four years, but limit them to a total of eight. Do you like the idea? I haven't really thought about it. It's 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 going nowhere in the budget. It, it's he's, he put it in. It'll but, be stripped out. Yeah, yeah, because it's so extraneous. Uh, look, I'm I'm not a big believer in term limits. We we get elected, you know, to limited terms, two year terms. We are not like federal district court judges or any federal judges who are appointed for life, life, life. We serve under the contract with the voters for two years. If they don't like what we do, they throw us out. And, and, and there f- have been incumbents who have been not reelected. Oh, yeah, but uh, something only like 25% of them. Well, perhaps there was something that the people saw in the first place in that person when they elected him or her that was not 
that they were not disabused of after the first term, and they continued to like that person serving them. And the person presumably was doing an adequate or good job. So to your mind, the fact that your current term is comparatively short, two years, obviates the need for term limits. In my view, yes. But there are other elected, Senator Chris Jacobs, big believer in term limits. God bless him. Um, Many of my constituents say term limits. Some of my constituents say, no, you know, we... We are we are happy having someone serving us who has the experience of a period of service behind him. 803-0930 is the number. Assemblyman Robin Schiminger is here. Democrat, but a renegade Democrat of sorts. I want to bring up a tweet that I saw earlier this week. A tweet. Uh-oh. A tweet. You were quoted, or mentioned actually, in a tweet from Ed Cox. That's Chairman Ed Cox, head of the Republican Party. You are a Democrat. And it says uh, here, and I'll read the exact uh, quote. I'm unaware of this tweet, so you're going to surprise me. Politically corrupt Cuomo. Quote, Democrats, too, have concerns, Assemblyman Robin Schiminger said, as he immediately asked for more details about the appropriation when the budget bills were introduced on Tuesday. Uh, Basically, Ed Cox was using kind of a quote or something that you raised as a cudgel to beat up Governor Cuomo with. Be that as it may, he raises the idea that you have concerns with economic development money in this current budget. As long as we're here today, as long as we're talking about the budget next week, what's your beef? Well, I am a strong supporter of five significant bills that make our economic development programming more accountable and more transparent. Everything from the Comptroller's Bill on procurement to making entities like Fort Schuyler and Fuller Road Management subject to FOIL, uh, reinstituting the reporting requirements for the startup program, which were stripped away at the last minute in last year's budget, uh, making these regional economic development councils uh, subject to the public officer's law and ethical standards, et cetera, et cetera. So these are things that I think should be done. Now, the Como forces oppose them strongly. In past years, I've heard the criticism that the Buffalo Billion Project was basically one big pot of money without the individual projects in there uh, delineated. And that that didn't have the kind of transparency that you and others wanted. Um, In this particular case, there is no big Buffalo Billion pot of money anymore. Are they still talking about economic development money in the same way, just putting it in a sack and saying, ah, we don't need to untie that. We don't need to look in there. Strangely... Funny you mentioned this, and this is what Mr. Uh, what's his name Cox was referring to. There is a new fund in this budget, as reported on by your previous guest Jimmy Vilkind, called the High Technology Innovation and Economic Development Infrastructure Program. It's on page seven one six. Get that seven one six of the capital budget. A three hundred million dollar brand new program which is really open-ended as to where the monies could be spent. Uh, Mujica, the budget director, has acknowledged that this money could be used to bail out the SUNY Poly projects. Those are the Calieros projects. Right, right, right. You'll hear more about them when the Calieros trial starts. But this is an open-ended new pot that the governor has brazenly included in this budget, and it will be a subject of much discussion. But do you get to vote that particular portion down? No, you have to reject the whole budget if you don't like that, right? Well, in the negotiations uh, among the two houses and, and you know, the staffs for the DOB and Assembly Ways and Means and Senate Finance, 
that can be that can be outed and ousted. The problem is at the end, and I've seen this before, at the eleventh hour of the final day, the night before the bill goes to print, governor says, "I got to have this. I got to have this." And if we don't do it, then it's late budget. All right. 803-0930 is the number. So far, people haven't seen fit to call in, but I do want to uh, go to two different ways that we can uh, involve some comments from people that are out there. On our text line, someone just wrote in something uh, that says, we're broke, let's spend more money, stuck on stupid Democrats. Another comment here that came in on Facebook, uh, there are a lot of issues to talk about today, corruption, the list is endless, but the everyday worker has just given up. I'm waiting for the day to be offered a job out of state or move and take my family as well. Do you know that my kids who have part-time jobs and make eight to uh, $12,000 a year have always had to pay New York State taxes every year? Insane. There is frustration out there, I think indicated by both of these comments, about the state budget. And yet each year uh, we haven't had the shutdowns. Governor Cuomo brags about the fact that uh, during his term we haven't had those late budgets anymore. Uh, do you feel like Sisyphus? Are you pushing the boulder uphill and just having it roll back over yourself? Well, look, I'm someone who has long believed that the best, the best economic development program we can have is to reduce the costs of doing things in New York State for everyone. And that would keep people here. That would keep businesses here. And nothing bothers me more than seeing those, those folks move out of state. So... Yeah, it's Sisyphus. Well, thank you, uh, I guess. Okay. It's, it's, it's a difficult task. All right. We have about 10 seconds left. We haven't taken our commercial break. We'll do that before we go off to meet the press. Give me a prediction. What do you see happening with the state budget and with all of the things we've discussed thus far? Well, I think we didn't discuss decoupling. I think there will be decoupling in a variety of ways from the federal tax code vis-a-vis the state tax code. Uh, I don't think the primary focus of the governor, his new payroll tax, putting a new tax on in New York State. You don't see that going anywhere. I I don't. It's too cumbersome, too complicated. But I do see something happening vis-a-vis the she fund proposal by Schiminger, and I do see perhaps something happening vis-a-vis local property taxes and a similar charitable structure. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.